Hi friends, my name is Eric Barnett and I'm a singer-songwriter based out of Charleston, South Carolina and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about the craft and their music. And we also do a monthly original music showcase at Freehouse Brewery. The next showcase is Sunday, February 13th from 2 to 5 p.m. and will feature Fleming Moore, Danielle Howe, and Robert Lighthouse. For those of you that are sports fans, I imagine you've already put two and two together that February 13th is Super Bowl Sunday. But the show goes from 2 to 5 p.m., so I encourage you to come out and pregame with us, grab some beers to go, and enjoy some original local music before the big game. This week's guest on the podcast is Danielle Howell. Danielle is a legend here in Charleston. In her over 25-year career, she's released 16 albums, both as a solo musician, in the band Lay Quiet A While, and with her band The Tantrums. She's performed with Hootie and the Blowfish, The Indigo Girls, Edwin McCain, and many, many more. I really enjoyed my discussion with her about her music, her upcoming album, and her writing process, and I hope you enjoy it too. Thank you for being on the podcast, Danielle. Hey, Eric Barnett. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is, uh, for those of you who listened to this podcast before, this is the first time that we are actually recording on a location. We are uh, out of the studio, as it were, which is my guest room, and we are in an unspecified location in Allendale, South Carolina, speaking to Miss Danielle Howe. Happy to be here. Happy for you to be generous with your time and and do this and the the showcase on February 13th. I'm just happy that someone is uh, doing it and doing it well, and that would be you. (laughs) I appreciate your confidence. So uh, the first time I met Danielle was actually a new guy to Charleston looking for a place to play songs and looking online and seeing that there's this thing called Holy City Confessionals over at Home Team Barbecue and said, I want to go see what all this is about. And there's a, a young lady named Danielle running the running the podcast or running the podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast. She's run it's it's an open mic, but it's a rarity in Charleston, which is an all original music open mic. Where not only do you come and play your songs and kind of bear yourself to the audience, but it's encouraged and appreciated which are also two things that sort of don't happen here a lot unless you're in all and all green <laughs> and uh so i came out and sort of sat up there and tentatively quietly scared to death played some of my own <laughs> songs and uh danielle got up there and just killed it like she always does and uh, lo and behold Going there a few times and having her introduce me to people like Eddie White, like Fleming Moore, yeah, like other dudes who come out to that really helped me gain a lot of confidence in myself as a songwriter and a performer. And it was good that that happened before I dug in and learned just how accomplished Danielle Howell is oh. as a musician. It, she's done a lot, 25 years at least of out there doing it yeah. and doing it right. Trying to do it right. <laughs> I've made a lot of really valuable mistakes 
So if anybody would like to benefit from them, please feel free to DM me on my Instagram once you friend me. <laughs> Mistakes are incredibly important. Yes, you, they are. If you learn from them the third or fourth <laughs> time around. Yeah. Uh, Danielle Howell started, kind of notably started in the group Lay Quiet a while, um, joined them as their singer, kind of changed the direction of the band. Um, Got him a recording deal, put yeah. out an album, EP, really went out there and did the thing. Uh, when they disbanded, she went solo, uh, both you know as a solo musician and with her groups, Daniel Howell and the Tantrums. She had a group fireworks show for a while and done all the things, played with the Indigo Girls, played with Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, good friends with Mark Bryan of Hootie and the Blowfish, who has produced her records. You are the first person on the podcast who has a Wikipedia page. What? (laughs) I'm not saying anybody who's come along is not legitimate. That's right, because they are. Fleming Moore's the first guy with an IMDb page. Hey, I got one of those too. Oh, man. And (laughs) I I also appreciate having you here because you are the first female on the podcast. Not that I've been ignoring... Not at all. Not that I've been ignoring, but uh, when you look up singer-songwriters white men with beards there's there's a lot of us yeah and and i apologize for that hey do not ever (laughs) so danielle it says columbia south carolina but we're looking at darlington more accurately i would say darlington um flynn's crossroads hartsville for uh where my family hails from right on a little bit of bird town yeah lydia lamar those kind of places Okay. Yeah, if you're from uh, kind of flatland South Carolina, a lot of that stuff will be familiar to you. If not, mm-hmm. you're just going to have to Google it. You are. Uh, military family. Yeah, my dad, um, I like to call it, and I'm writing this song right now called Trading One Hell for Another, <laughs> where he was a farm kid and decided to go um, to Clemson and then join the Army. So that's kind of how me and my mom and my dad and my sister later um, got to see the world through my dad's uh, prowess. Where did that take you? Um, took me to Mississippi, where my sister was born, and then over to Germany to do two different states in Germany, and then back to Fort um, Jackson. I was born in on Fort Sill. I was only there at the uh, OCS um, at Fort Sill and in, in the town of, um, what is the town there at Fort Sill? Um if this gets too long, you can edit me. <laughs> Fort Sill in Oklahoma has the, the little prairie dogs. And what I can't think of the name of the town. And that's terrifying to me because I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you said in an interview that your parents were musicians. Were yeah. both of them? And what did they play? My dad played trumpet in the high school band. And my mom was clarinet. They were a few years apart. Uh-huh. My dad also had a trio a jazz trio that he had during high school and he would um go around and play and he was um also was known to sit in um a few times with glenn miller oh wow mm-hmm. okay as a coronet trumpet player now i don't know if this is one of those situations where i caught a really big fish and it was only <laughs> small but i don't know i just uh my dad's a very interesting soul that has a lot of talent so i think anybody who's played trumpet in the same zip code as ben glenn miller gets to claim it yeah they get to claim it. yeah yeah well that's awesome so music in the household at a very young age and yeah. 
what kind of what kind of stuff were were you guys listening to as a family? Um, my dad loved to play seventy eights of Glenn Miller. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, other jazz musicians, and we were not allowed to talk while the records were on. And then he got into the band uh, Waylon Jennings in Chicago. Oddly enough, okay. And my mama liked Roberta Flack, so okay, that was kind of the thing. Yeah, I like you know. There's times where the no talking while the music's playing policy. I can get behind that. I can you know? too. I mean, that I think as we're talking on a podcast, but I think <laughs> if we found ourselves in a world more where we could just sit back and take in an album worth of music, mm-hmm. not a Spotify ad infested playlist. Yes. <laughs> and take in an album worth of music, I think we're going to find ourselves in a better place. Yeah, it's real interesting to listen to whole albums. Yeah. And eat the best turkey and stuffing ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when did um the songwriting bug catch you? Um I started writing poems at about 3rd grade and mm-hmm. I just I kept a journal from 3rd grade through 10th grade. And it was sort of a uh, this is my outlet to to do something that I had no expectation from. There was sure. no expectation in the journal, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was fun and whimsical and probably saved my life in a lot of ways. And then about sixth grade, I got one of those tape decks that had a turntable and a tape deck in it yeah. and a receiver in it. And I would talk into the microphone and I'll go, guitar goes like this. <laughs> and then I would like just yeah. have these long tapes and I would listen to my songs and I would sing the melody. But the, the parts at that time weren't put together as a song. What were your uh, what kind of things were influencing that songwriting? I wrote a song about my dog. He got missing one day, and I wrote a song that what he what was he seeing? Was it fun? And was he tired oh. of us? And just all that, and just little, mostly songs about nature and deer uh-huh. and trees. And then I met these kids that had a skateboard ramp near my <laughs> house. And I was still pretty young, and they introduced yeah. me to like I must have been like ninth grade. That they introduced me to the Dead Kennedys and some other things of this nature, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." You're like, "This is how we misbehave." Yeah, yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, the song "Deja Vu." Yeah. When I heard that, I went, "Oh my God, that's legal. You can do that." Yeah. Because that is one of the most incredible songs I've ever heard. Now, what what got you from that to lay quiet a while? Because I I'd heard you'd read you really didn't start playing guitar until you were like 21. Right. Yeah, I had a band when I was 16. Uh-huh. I met them at Governor's School for the Arts at Furman. Mm-hmm. And um, I would drive to Rock Hill where they lived, and I'd play a few songs in the band. I would wait patiently. They were already a band. <laughs> they were just being nice to me. Yeah. But we got to play at the Milestone in Charlotte. Yeah. And that was a huge deal. And then I found another band when I was 18 called The Blue Laws, and we only played on Sundays. And at that time, there was uh, you, you couldn't really buy alcohol on Sundays, but you could in clubs. Yeah. And so I was underage. My mom would come with me, and I would play with an improvisational acoustic band, and that lasted for years till like quite a while. When did the guitar enter? Was it during, or kind of right before like yeah. quite a while? Yeah. Um. I, I. I. One of my friends had an unfortunate experience in the Blue Laws. He was twenty-one. I don't talk about it much, but I think that in our times, we really need to talk about this. My friend was 21. He uh, took his own life, and um, that's why I started playing guitar, because he was my guitar player. Yeah. And um, I miss him a lot, and I just want everybody to know that if you're ever feeling that way, that um, there are alternatives, and 
places that you can um, get help to, to maybe stay so that your friends won't miss you. Absolutely. I wish I could say that a better way. I hope that's not going to something we might cut later. I don't know. No, no, that's that's something that cannot be overstated. Yeah, it and, cannot um, be overstated. Yeah. yeah. And I know that people younger and younger suffer these days. So I just want y'all to know that you're not alone and there's people out there to help you. And that's why we got Uncle Google, buddy. Oh, yeah. And that's why guitars are there and songwriting yes. is there and journals are there. And yeah, all the friends things. are there. Friends and, are there. Yeah. yeah. Even animals. Yeah, absolutely. I ran into a very nice cat outside on the, not ran into, but, but, <laughs> but met a very nice, a nice cat day? on the way in. Uh, yeah. So, um, when, when you did start going solo, uh, were those new songs? Were there songs that you'd had in your pocket a while? Um, some of them were fairly new and I was such a novice at the guitar. I only played like three or four chords and yeah. I had a lot of country music influence from some friends of my mom and, uh, Hank Williams senior is my main guy that I loved. And oh, yeah. So I would try to write like that, and um, Lay Quiet a While was very different than that sort of writing. And I was, I actually, Lay Quiet a While, right now, you can't find any on Apple Music, Spotify, whatnot, but it's, it's findable if you look. And I look and I found, and I was like, I, the 90s were when I was a teenager. Yeah, you so were young. I was, yeah, I'm a bit of a young buck. Listening, yeah. listening to all the 90s alternative, I'm like, that's that. Like yeah. that could that that's right, right smack in the middle of '90s alternative, kind of reminiscent of, kind of the sound of it, a little bit REM ish, a little oh, bit, absolutely. yeah, like college radio, yeah, like, yeah, and transitioning from that to what you do isn't incredibly pigeonholeable. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a it's a person with a guitar, it's a singer-songwriter, but there's many different permutations of that. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely different and it's definitely your own. Thanks. Um, did it take a while to figure out what that was? It's to me, yes, I'm still working on that, but uh in like quiet a while and with some other bands, I would find myself writing a lot of melody yeah. and writing bits on the guitar and then I had more proficient people around me that played those instruments. Yeah. And I would say, well, can you make it go, ba -da -da -da, and they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot something. of collaboration in Lake Wide Wild. There's something incredibly valuable in having people around you that you're going to, I mean, it's, they always talk about synergy being more than the sum of the parts. Yes. And bouncing ideas off of and having somebody there that, knows enough to pick up where you left off but mm -hmm. also has their own thing to it um i'm i'm notorious about i record all the parts on on my records just because i'm a bit of a musical dictator but that mm -hmm. to me that's also a bad thing because i don't get that you know it's it's very down the line of exactly what i do you know so having that around is is very cool and i'm i'm imagining you know, the drummer from Lake Quiatawa actually played with you in the in the tantrums, am I right? Yeah, he left yeah. Lake Quiatawa for a while and yeah. then when the tantrums got back, we we were just they were just helping me make a record. Yeah. Um I was on the Simple Machines label at that time and then mm -hmm. they said, Hey man, do you want to be a band? And I was like, <laughs> Cause I loved all those guys so much. Yeah. And they 
they let me be a musical dictator at times. And then they were, of course, too. Like John Ford would be like, no, D, you can't do that. And I'll be like, why? So it was, <laughs> it was, it was healthier at that moment. Yeah. More in like quite a while. Um, they would write such weird, interesting things. I would just come up with melodies for a lot of it. And then I would That's have awesome. my own ideas too. So, and you know, and then in the Blue Laws, that was an improvisational band for the most part. Yeah. Then we ended up with about 15 or 20 songs that, you know, stayed. But then, like now, I'm a musical dictator. <laughs> I mean, you, you've, I earned, just, you've earned it. You've earned yeah. it. And, and in a way, your name's on it. Yeah. So you're in control of what has your name on it. I mean, there's something to be said about that where, I mean, you're open to suggestion. I am. <laughs> when it comes to all the records that you've made under, you know, Simple Machines, under Kill Rockstars, under kind of your own imprint, just kind of funding it and putting it out yourself. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's not a lot of your records that are on at least streaming platforms. They are not out there. They yeah. were out there. They yeah. were on The Orchard, which is, I think, a subsidiary of Sony. Yeah. But um, I decided to get the records back, and yeah. I don't know what to do with them now. I've got to put them out. I'm like, oh, no. What yeah, I, I, remember, I remember you talking about getting, getting your masters back. And yeah. that's... I mean, for for folks that don't know, that's that's a big thing. It is uh, to to have your own agency in what you're doing with your music. So that's that's awesome that you got that back and you at least have control over it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel bad. Well, I don't feel bad. I just I feel concerned on how to put things back out in a proper way. Yeah. But now I don't think it's time since I'm working on this new album and sure. Just, kind of just being in this process sure the la last thing you want to do when you're looking to put a new thing out is dilute the well okay you know i mean i don't even know how the well works anymore to i'm be not honest. sure i know how it works either there's i talked with uh john ford and we we talked about record labels and there was a point in time where you know record labels were very good about finding talent and they were very good about uh, helping that talent yeah. get the best out of what they could do. But then the other side of that coin is you know, there would be gatekeeping. If something wasn't what they considered to be, you know, this is not going to be the most popular thing or the trendy thing, it would be held back. And, yeah. and there's a lot there's a lot to be said about how much money has been made by people who are not strumming the chords and writing the songs and, mm -hmm. and putting the work into it. I, I imagine you're you're probably grateful for what the record labels were able to do for you Absolutely. in terms of getting the music out oh, there. Oh gosh, but yes. What are your thoughts on kind of being on your own now and, and making all the decisions and versus a record label? What 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 are your thoughts about that? Well I had a very lucky experience in my life because I chose labels that were smaller yeah. and they were ran by artists and creatives and people who really cared about music more than anything. Yeah. And um, they worked together. Like I would sign with Damon Records for Amy's label and I would also sign a deal with Kill Rockstars yeah. and they would go, which one are we doing today? <laughs> and you know, so I was like, yeah. I was a little bit of a, I was a little bit of a gangster in the sense of, um, I just went ahead and signed everything and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, my philosophy at that time was these were such regionally powerful labels. You have a label yeah. like Kill Rock Stars, which is uh, 
powerful, of course, on the college radio format, and just sure. because bands loved everything that came out of there, and right. they the, the, the bands on those labels were so sweet to each other and helped each other. Yeah, but they're like Pacific Northwest, whereas Damon is more of a Southern thing. Yeah, and then you know, Simple Machines is like DC, right, and out of Chicago as well, because their subsidiary was. Uh, Southern Records, and I also had a subsidiary in England. So I was like, maybe I can just identify with culture in these different areas. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it worked or not, but I sure made some great friends, and hey. I had some fun. I ate a lot of weird food. That's good. I know, like, when when I started getting into music, that was in, it was when I went to college, mm-hmm. and when I started getting into music that you weren't hearing on the radio, I was finding a lot of record labels that it was to the point where I would trust a record label. And if they put a thing out, yeah, I'd at you? least listen to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and Sony's not like that, or or BMG's not like that, or Capitol Records isn't like that. They're putting out so much, and you're, you're not going to like it. But there was a little record label out of like Chicago I liked called Polyvinyl Records. Yeah, yeah. That everything they put out, and, and all, awesome. the, all the bands were friends with each other. Yes. And, and, and that's... <laughs> There's a culture going on. Yeah, yeah. I like about the indie labels that I was on was they had relationships with pub- publicity, like different magazines yeah. and, and different people that were influencers. Even at that time, they were influencers. Like if you have a friend that lives in the town of Atlanta and that person knows the five cool magazines, like at that time, Stomp and Stammer yeah. and Creative Loafing and things of this nature, Yeah, you have a much better chance of... um getting your album reviewed in one of the cool mags because it's about who you know and, and they all have a pipeline culture. too yeah. yeah it's kind of a pipeline you get it is. well that's awesome that's awesome so that's what that's why i love being on them so much and plus i mean i i'm kind of i work better in a situation where i know that there's other people around me that are doing the same thing yeah there's like accountability there's like you can uphold someone else they can they can help you so yeah I work better in a community setting where I'm not in charge of things, but my my <laughs> opinion is respected. <laughs> well, I mean, there's something to be said about the things you have taken it upon yourself to be in charge of. Uh, Holy City Confessionals, I would love every time I came out there. Uh, it was definitely something where, you know, going on the Cheers thing, everybody knows your name. You walk in there and... Yeah, we and, were glad to see artists. Yeah. And have people come back. And our sound guy was very friendly and very into what he was doing. A sound guy, period. Yeah. Like, how many places are you go where mm-hmm. you're running your own sound, or yeah. or you have, or you have a sound guy that doesn't care one bit. He, yeah. He gets the microphones hot, and then he goes out and has a smoke while everything's <laughs> feeding back, and you're just trying to figure out what's going on. But yeah, it's everything it was about quality. Yeah, everything about it. I I loved it, and I I miss it. I miss it too, and I love home team the business because yeah. their 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 infrastructure is centered around food and community, and yeah. they they believe in music, and that was a part of how they got yeah so good at what they do. Not that they're not great at barbecue. I'm, what I'm saying is they were already good at barbecue. Yeah, and they had to get that barbecue to people that cared. They Absolutely, were like, let's bring musicians in here and artists yeah. in here, and so that's why I love them so much. And man. I miss eating ribs on Tuesday nights. <laughs> any any notion of getting that back rolling again post pandemic? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would love to. It's just a matter of of it finding it, uh, the right home. Right. Yeah, West Ashley, like they're they had different people and 
the people that were managing and 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 doing it there had to, had a say in what was happening because okay. that's how cool home team is. Yeah. So I just have to like, I got to become popular with some bartenders at a home team and go, hey, bud. <laughs> you know, there is one opening up very close. I know. Yeah. I got my little eye on it. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good. And you were doing you were doing something over at. Uh, Max one. Yeah, and I never. I'm, I I'm miss bad, them. I, miss I never them made too. it out because mm-hmm. I'm my work schedule's killing me lately. So. I hear you, man. <laughs> I hear you. It is okay. Yeah, that was more of a summer thing because yeah. they have a nice outdoor space. Yeah, which was different because it was like outdoors. Yeah, and I was like, this is really cool. And it's I'll, cool when the weather's good. Yeah, but when the weather's uh, not good, you're like, this is not a. Steady right. income stream for right. me or people wanting to present their art. So right, yeah. And the one thing about Charleston is, when the weather's good, it's good. It is good. But I, I'd never before I'd moved here. I could count on one hand how many gigs have been canceled. Oh yes, you can. And even like even pre-COVID, mm-hmm. you're constantly looking at that yeah. weather app, and and it can change on a dime. I mean, it can. Uh, Five percent of rain can be ninety-five percent of rain in, in like a of, sack. Yeah, in amount of hours. Ain't no rain clause in a restaurant gig. That's right. That's <laughs> it's right. It's not yeah. happening. And then, and then the the big thing, COVID. Who yeah. could have who could have seen something like that come along? Oh, dude. <laughs> I had a I had it so stacked through March. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I remember my last show was March sixth at the Charleston Music Hall with Indigo Girls. Yeah. And the next day, I knew something was going on, and I just was like, Beep. "Really?" I just started staying home on the seventh. Yeah. And I had a crazy good year. I went to thirty A in uh, January, and I had a cool gig with Ryan Montblue and um, and in Asheville, who I really respect. And yeah. Then I was just I had a bunch of cool school stuff with kids like lined up in April. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, this sucks. Because I remember you talking to me. You're like, oh, yeah. it's it's. <laughs> It's really going to happen. And and I I had things I had like a tour book. You did. It, yeah, I was going to go to Baton Rouge and back. There was a songwriter festival I and No. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> the first the first gig was March 12th. And that <gasps> yeah. Oh, snap. That's and, terrifying. And it was it was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And the I had the car loaded. I had the car loaded and the moment I went to leave I started reading about this covid thing. And mm-hmm. we'd heard we'd heard about it and yeah. it's it's happened in other countries and other countries are closing down and states were doing things but we're the south we do things a little differently We down do. Here. And um called Jacksonville, Florida that morning and they're like, "Yeah, we better not do it." So then I'm like, "Okay, I'll wait a day and then I'll go to Apalachicola." I, sure. That's the next day. I love Apple. It's so and good. And then, then the next day, I, I call them. Hey, I'm about to hop in the car and head your direction. They, well, and then, and then it just, just like Every dominoes, day. one after the other. And I mean, I didn't even need to tell you that story because everybody's heard that story from every musician they know. Yeah. Yeah. But I like still knowing that other people out there and what their experience was with yeah. it and what it did and how they <laughs> survived and what what it made them right yeah what'd you what'd you come up with i started working on my 16th album very nice it was between variants <laughs> <laughs> we got it recorded between variants well that's good yeah. that's good i Not know american but what was it delta it was between delta the and the delta delta and the original og in the mm-hmm. delta and og in the, the delta yeah yeah now now yeah <laughs> sounds like a western movie yeah 
now we got the Omicron and then Voltron and Pokemon, I think, is next. But Is there really a Pokemon no, coming? No, no, no. That was a good joke. <laughs> See, I'm think, too gullible. <laughs> I think what I've seen, though, is like so many musicians figured out a new way of doing things. Yeah. Like you had people live streaming. Uh, Eddie over at Allendahl started doing a live stream thing. and Yeah, right just, here at the house. And everybody's learning. They learned an, a new skill. And I see you've got a you've got a manual to a recorder printed out, and you're learning to. Yeah, I'm still behind the times, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, everybody's learning a new skill. We're getting something out of this thing. Absolutely, art, art finds a way. Yeah, it will. And um, I think a lot of us became more valuable to our communities in some way. Um, I I tuned in to lunch with Lizzy, pretty much. Uh, three days a week. He's an artist yeah. out of of Charlotte. He did a lunchtime show. Yep. Leisure McCorkle is his name, in case you want to look him up. And then what was the cat in Charlotte that did a show every day? Oh, I don't know. He was. He ended up getting famous, too. Okay. Yeah, and he, he was doing it because he was trying to make sure his family had everything they needed. Really? And I can't remember his name. It's going to come oh. up. Not in my brain, but. It was like a thing. Some of my friends would go, do you know this dude? <laughs> and I'd be like, I do not. And I ended up being on a record with him. Hold on. Let's see if this is the right guy. A record came out, and I went up to Charlotte to record. It's called Be Good to Yourself, and it's a bunch of different musicians from uh, the North Carolina area. You've got, like, the DBs. Sponge Tones members, um, we're, the record is to benefit musicians that have um, uh, help raise awareness about mental illness and help uh, them with addiction and healthcare and things like that. But the guy is in this book. I'll find it at some point. But it's like written in white and it's really small. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's called Be Good to Yourself. You can find it online. Yeah, and if you find that, I'll be sure I drop that in the show notes when I put this out. Oh, that sounds rad, dude. Yeah. So, before we get to the new record, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make you talk through every single album you've ever made, but if I were to ask you to kind of curate your own catalog mm-hmm. and say, if I want to listen to a Daniel Howell album back catalog, that you're most proud of? Do you have one that you're most proud of? I have two that I'm most proud of. Okay. Um, and the only places that these are available right now is directly from my website. Okay. Yep. So you can buy digital material from me right now. Um, Thank You, Mark is an album that was recorded in Allendahl. And um, it's got some really interesting songs. It's when I started getting away from my indie persuasion and started doing more country stuff and americana things that were always in my soul which my mother like god rest her soul she's like stop singing this punk rock and get your country (laughs) roots out girl yeah and i'm like mom i have i have to be me bud so there's that one and i still like this record that i recorded in 1999 which is a long time ago it's called catalog because it's an acoustic album yeah that one's still up yeah, that yeah. one I didn't get back because I'm still working oh, with that label. Okay, okay. Yeah, we yeah, just that... put out an Elliott Smith cover for the 30, 30th anniversary of Kill Rock Stars. It's a song. Yeah. It's me and Josh Roberts from Josh Roberts and the Hinges. And um, 
song is called Angel in the Snow. And um, I was friends with Elliot, did some touring with him, and he's my buddy. And um, I was supposed to do a, a song for his anniversary record, his 25 yeah. year, and didn't work out. And um, so then they said, do, do this one. And I was like, okay. And so I got Josh Roberts because he and I were on a compilation on Kill Rap Stars many moons ago. And I thought it would only be traditionally fitting to get the Roberts man on out there. Well, that's awesome. Everybody go to daniellehow.com yeah. and, and find those. Yeah, um, find them. Uh, buy it from Danielle. If Please you're, do. If you're going to listen to Apple Music, also buy it from Danielle. Yeah. She, although she still appreciates your 155th of a penny for every time you listen to a song on Spotify. <laughs> we all do. Yeah, for now, at least you can get that music yeah. in one place. Very nice. Mm -hmm. The new record. Yes. How I, I remember you you had a Kickstarter campaign. I did. It went and pretty it good. It got funded. It did. Went well. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a good that feeling, isn't it? It is because I've never done that. Like yeah. I've like done stuff on on Facebook where I'm like, "Hey, going on a tour. Anybody want a shirt?" I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've I've been lucky that way, but this was like a serious a strategic undertaking. Like I studied yeah. it for nine months during COVID. I did a Kickstarter and it was a, it was a, such a small amount thinking about it now. It was such a small amount and it wasn't a huge ask, but still before, if folks don't know how Kickstarter works, it's all or nothing. Yeah. You choose an amount of money. You choose an amount of days you're going to do it mm -hmm. for. And at the end of that time, you could, if you have, $10,000 you want to raise and you have 999,000 yeah. no, no that's a good amount 9,000 you know less than that you don't make it and no, you, and you it get back. nothing yeah you get yeah. nothing and you so, just hustled a lot yeah. and, and stressed and and just the stress of that oh, just God. the idea of hit and enter you know when you get yeah. that campaign ready to go and it's down to like okay I'm going to hit the mm -hmm. button that does the thing and then I mean how how fast did you get funded on that um, I'm not even sure if I remember. I think I, I think I got it the last week. Ooh. And then that last week, like somehow we like got about four or five thousand dollars more. There's always going to be that last minute push, but you don't know that's going to happen. No, and at the time you're like serious. Yeah, like once I got it though, like some of my friends were like, "Cool, I don't have to do this crap right now." And I'm like, "Yeah, Joe, Joe." See, I I got I got in at the last minute just cuz that's who I am as a person. I wish I weren't that guy. Like I'm two places early, but when it comes to like going online and hitting four oh. keys, I'm terrible. I'm like that too. But I'm, I, I'm glad I I'm glad I was a part of it. Can't wait yeah. for the record to come out. So you're recording it here in Allendale? I recorded the record in uh Kind of in the same name neighborhood as home team oh, barbecue where, okay. um, you know, over there on Highway sixty one, those ribs, man, they fun they they didn't fund the record, but they definitely helped me get the record done for sure. I recorded it with a very um interesting and awesome producer Jeff Leonard, who's done some really cool stuff, and we were lucky to get to work with him. And it is Josh Roberts on guitar, yeah, um, Carrie Brooks. On upright bass, he plays with Amy Ray and Rayan and a lot of bands. Sometimes he plays with Doug Jones from Craven Mellon. Mm -hmm. He just he plays with everybody. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we got him. And then Tony Lauria from a band called Spottiswood and His Enemies, and okay. they are one of my favorite groups of all time. And they it, Tony the band's kind of scattered. Um, they still play together, of course, but Tony lives in Brooklyn, and he 
drove his happy ass on down, oh, man. Oh, man. It was crazy. Getting, getting people that believe in what you're doing and show up. Yeah. And show up with the mindset that I want to do what I can to this. Isn't that a feeling? It is a crazy feeling. It's almost, um, I think what COVID did to me was some of my leadership skills and confidence was swayed. I think a lot of people felt that way. So this was like a big, huge slap in the face wake up call because not only were we doing that, we had five solid days of rehearsals. So my voice was already worn out. We had Indigo Girls shows. We had a great open mic show at, um, Oh, what's it called? Um, what's George Fox's open mic? Oh, uh, Soapbox. Songwriter Songwriter's Soapbox, Soapbox at Chico Feo. Chico Feo on Folly Beach on Mondays. Great place. Yeah, we had that gig going on. Yeah. And then we had an on-dog gig. So that's like right up close and personal. I'd had five rehearsals with these dudes. We had had some one day of rehearsal online that lasted for four hours. Yeah, yeah. And... um. My voice was completely worn out by that, <laughs> and it was hot. There were no dressing rooms. This is right. what it is, and yep. that's just life. And then um, I didn't even own a car at that time. I had a borrowed car, which I was driving everybody around with. So it's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I mean, add the drama up. I mean, come on. Sure. Now, it, it, the car, thank you, Manos Pool Construction, for loaning me <laughs> a um, stretch black Escalade with 24-inch rims. It was believably <laughs> delicious car to drive in, but man, it likes to eat that gas. So oh, yeah. um, I'm grateful. And then uh, by the time we were starting to track the album, my voice was so worn out, and I was just basically singing to like, you know, get them to get their parts down. Sure, yeah. And um, I just sounded terrible. I listened to it, I'm like, oh, crap. And then I took a couple weeks to heal up and went back in and cut my vocals with the, Good. under the grace of Jeff Leonard and his dog, Bodie. Yes. So that's good that that was just like kind of the kind of guide vocal. Now, yeah. did, now did they cut it? Did they cut it kind of live? Were everybody in a room or uh, no? We cut it. We were up? all in different rooms. We were in a house, and yeah. then they had to go back and recut again. So, okay, yeah, because yeah. um, it's a tiny studio, but we like who owned it, and yeah, we liked his dog, and he was willing to have everybody stay there, and good. That awesome. it was uh. It was a really unique experience because the whole band was together for like seven solid days. Oh, that's awesome. Eating meals, talking yeah. about stuff, just like living the music and living the record and yeah. being a being a family. Yeah. yeah. That's and awesome. That's a good way to work too, because I mean, I I have yet to hear the record, but I imagine you hear it. You can hear it. Yeah. You can hear it. That's very cool. When's the when's the release? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um we're still I've already started booking up some tours and stuff, but we're yeah. still uh, trying to finalize the edits. Yeah. We've tracked everything I think that we're going to track. Yeah. And then people kept getting ideas and I'm like, no, stop being creative. <laughs> and then, so it's it's kind of up to, I guess, me and Jeff to see yeah. what's going to happen with with the rest you, of this. You're but, in the tinkering stage. Yes. I, I know when whenever I do anything, I mm-hmm. have two friends that I call them producers. They're producers on the yep. record and they're, they're, their job is twofold. 50% of their job is <laughs> when I'm in the middle of it and I feel like I'm the worst person in the whole world yep. and I'm the worst musician. Their job is just to pat me on the back and, and cheerlead. Mm-hmm. And the other 50% of their job is to take it out of my hands when yes. it's done. Oh, God. <laughs> Somebody probably needs to beat me and Jeff over the head right now and go, stop, go eat some wings at home, team. Yeah, yeah. because the thing, it, for those folks that, 
aren't artistic and don't understand when you're really trying to do your masterpiece. I mean, you're yes. trying to you're trying to make the best thing you've ever made every time. That's right. And when you're done, you can't tinker anymore. You can't tinker anymore. You got to like accept the fact that you ordered those shoes from Amazon yeah. and they are yours. Now, you cannot return this. Yeah, and when, can't return. when you go back and listen to things you've done before, I, I imagine everybody's like, oh, I could have done that, or yeah. I should have done this, or I, I recorded that song too early. I should have played yes. it live and figured out that this mm -hmm. version of this song. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling that right now about yeah. this one. No yeah. one else is going to know but me. Right, right. And that's, like, I've had people in my band say, you're ridiculous. Please yeah. shut the F up and get away from the tracks. You know what, I've all, <laughs> you know what the beauty of that is, though, Danielle? Down the line, you can do a live record mm -hmm. and do that the That's up, right. upgraded version or the 2.0 version of something. I Yeah, I know where I'll do it, too. I know exactly where I'll do it. There's this really great place. I want you all to know about it. And please, yeah. please don't book it in about a year from now because I need to go into the warehouse in Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, They've right. got a, a whole stage. Uh, with lights, so you can do video there. You can do multi-track recording. You awesome. can do other things with your multi-track, like if you wanted to overdub some stuff. W Warehouse Live, Columbia, South Carolina. Greatest sound engineer there, man. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. Warehouse Live. All right, well, we've been talking about the record that's coming out. Uh, why don't you play something off of it? I think I will, man. Um, I was walking by this beautiful little Latin club in Columbia, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, it was over in Forest Acres and there's a very big dance community um, and just seeing all these people be together and and dance and at that time I was going through uh, a movement school called gyrotonic movement and mm -hmm. it was something I wanted to do you know it's my pony it was my boat yeah it was my golf and it was just something to explore something to do and um, one of our teachers was from Brazil she's a Martha Graham dancer and New York City Ballet and just really receptive to people outside of, you know, being athletic and, yeah. and um being in the dance community. Like we we got I you can do it as a regular person too if you can pass. Yeah. 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 So it was my Olympics for my little <laughs> thing. It's, I know it sounds so weird, but every now and then I just have to try something completely different. Yeah. And meet new people and just immerse myself in what they're doing but i was walking by this little dance club and everybody was having so much fun and that's how i wrote this song i'm gonna play because i just saw all the beauty and it's not a deep song it's a song about being in the moment and just living life and being fascinated by how people spend their time together and it just meant everything to me and i wanted to go in and dance but those people were doing like crazy dances. Doing the like, real thing. Yeah, it was, yeah. So I just kind of hung on the sidelines. A lot of songwriters will hang on the sidelines. Awesome, what's it called? <laughs> it's called Do That Again. All right. Come on, come on, come on, let's dance it out and get a while to the sweating sounds of mine. Ain't the answer to this. What's that song you got to come on? Yeah, come on for the dancing. And the answer to your question is I want to do that again. I want to do that again. I want to do that again. 
what's that shake? You know that sound where the horns move. They got the notes to float your float like a feathery feather from an alien mind. Ain't the answer, my friend. What's that sound? You got to come on, yeah, come on for the dancing. And the answer to your question is I wanna do that again I wanna do that again I wanna do that again So yeah, yeah, I'm we're we're all uh waiting with bated breath on the the new Danielle Howell record. Hey, what's going on with your record right now? What are you making? Nothing. Ha! Are you just touring? Uh, I'm just playing cover gigs and treading water. I understand. I've <laughs> I been got doing this, a little bit of that myself. I got this uh right now I'm right now this podcast is a thing. It and is it's, a very good thing. I'm trying to do this thing over at Freehouse. I got them to buy into the premise where mm-hmm. give me one day a month, I'll bring in three songwriters. I'll talk to them about songwriting and I really want to have local songwriters, not just musicians. I mean, we can go down King Street and see people play off iPads and they do it well. They That's do it right. they do it yeah. incredibly and they, they deserve all the tips they get and all the and musicians can make a living off of that and that is fabulous. Songwriting is hard to make a living off yes, of. Yes it is. And just to have people in Charleston know that there are alternatives out there and there are creators and there are people uh singing from their heart and that's what I'm trying to do here. Hopefully hopefully it gives me a little swift kick in the rear to get back on my part and start doing it. Yeah. So as part of this podcast, I'm I'm talking to songwriters too a little bit about their method because mm. I'm learning maybe just to sort of steal a little bit from everybody. You should. <laughs> we do it every day. When it comes to songwriting, mm-hmm. do you sit down, do you like block out time and do you sit down specifically and say, I'm going to write songs now? No, but I want to start doing that, but that's, I do not do that. That's what everybody I talk to says. Really? Yeah, yeah. Holy I think crap. I think we all uh I saw a documentary about the Eagles one time and Glenn Fry used to live next to Jackson Brown and he said Jackson Brown would s- sit in front of that piano every day for like 4 hours like he clocked in. And and that's something that I've just never had the time to try. Mhm. And do you do you find like songwriting is a little bit more like you just got to have your butterfly net and catch them as they go by or I think so. Um <laughs> there with me now yeah. that I I mean I'm I'm hustling pretty hard right now like 
Yeah. I do a lot of jobs. I'm a gardener. I'm, I paint houses. I take care of people's animals. Like, cause I'll stay with the animals, you know? Yeah. And I have jobs that, and these people support me. And usually they're people that I've met through music. Yeah. And I have skills and I show up. And so when I go on tour for two or three weeks, they're like, bye. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll hit your creeping fig and cut it back when I come home. <laughs> Hope your cat misses me. Right. But like now, I I hear I hear music all the time when I'm working because yeah. I'm doing manual labor and I like to move around. Yeah. I like to move. And so it's relaxing for me. And I've done fulfillment too, just in case y'all need to know. <laughs> I put... 2,000 Christmas bulbs that said Christmas in July into packages and sent them to 2,000 different FedEx people because I was working for a company that needed me to do that. So, I don't know. I think now, though, um, with this year in particular, as the spring comes in, I'm going to try to go whole hog and just stop yeah. working so much on other stuff. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to say was, you know, when you're moving around, you're doing jobs, like I get these melodies. Yeah. And then I just like sing them into my phone. Or yeah. Like, and then I've got a bunch of stuff in my phone that I don't look at for like two years. And then I'm like, crap, I got to do something with all these. And I'll write little things down here and there, but I don't really journal write so much right. anymore. Yeah. And, um, but sometimes I'll be laying in bed and, I, and it will be late and I'll be tired and I'll hear that song and I'm like, oh God. And this is what... I, I can be a little ungrateful sometimes. I was like, I got to get up and write that down. I'll, a couple of them, I'll let them go by. Yeah. I'm just like, this is just for me. Yeah. Like, I'll get a classical one, and I'm like, yeah. Like, I'll be making all these things. Like, I've got a really cool couple of classical, like, sounding things where I can go in my brain. I'll go, I just want to hear the classical music, and it'll start playing to me. I've, actually, I've been listening to a lot of books. I'm trying to figure out how to be a little bit more free about creativity. Okay. And it talked about, I, I kind of believe that growing up, I had undiagnosed ADHD. Oh, I totally have that, yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I just on the way here was listening to a book, and it said people who have ADHD also find themselves able to hyper-focus mm -hmm. like it, at certain points. When they when they finally are able to focus, it's almost a hyper-focus. And yeah. those are the most creative folks. Yeah, and it because, pisses other people off yeah, so bad. Because <laughs> they just because they just lock in so hard. It is hard. People yeah. hate me, dude. I mean, yeah. they don't hate, but they're just like, someone actually left a t-shirt on my doorstep that says, I'm going to annoy someone today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says, I'm going to get on someone's nerves today. But yeah, that hyper-focus thing is crazy. Yeah. The, the phone and the phone memos and mm -hmm. and that that's that's i that's what i hear a lot of people talking about the phone's a good thing yeah you're not dragging around cassette tapes anymore with the four track oh gosh that was the, yeah that was, <laughs> that was fun that's where i first learned how to kind of yeah. layer stuff up though so that was cool i had a double tape deck and man i learned how to make six one to the other on yeah yeah and it was crazy and i would hyper focus on that I mean, for years, I would just sit there. Here's a really cool question where I, or story I can drop a name. And I'm not dropping a name because um, I want to. It's just, <laughs> it happened. This guy named Ian McKay from Fugazi and his entire band came to play in Columbia. What? And they stayed at my house. What? And so I had to cook my first uh, vegetarian meal. Yeah. And um, I had like this little painter's table that had like a little X kind of thing. Yeah. And I put up 
piece of conduit in there and I had taped a 57 microphone onto it and it went into my double tape deck and Ian goes, I love your studio, man. There was like four Budweiser cans yeah. on top of it. It was like super punk rock. But yeah, they stayed at my house and um, I, they they helped me throughout my career like three or four different times, maybe more. That's and awesome. just cool people, they're DC people and I spent a lot of time in DC. But man, that was the craziest thing in my life was I let those people into my house and I forgot to move the beer cans because they're kind of straight edge and whatnot. Yeah. Not yeah. all of them, but maybe. Right. And so he's looking at my studio. He's sitting on my shitty couch, man, because my <laughs> house was a creepy, crusty place. Yeah. And then he just said, I like your studio. And I was like, <laughs> Now, to those days of layering things up, when you write a song now, do you hear other parts? Always. Do you, yeah. you hear the arrangement? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it's kind of chasing the dragon after that, isn't it? You're trying to find... When you sit down to record or rehearse and it's trying to tra chase down that arrangement. Yeah, it's weird. And <laughs> the crazy thing about this band that I, these musicians, we are a band, but like we think of ourselves that way. Playing is I've known them from different areas in my life. Like I've known Josh Roberts for like 10. I've known Tony for like 20, yeah. 25 years. Carrie's the youngest uh person i've known and i've still known him for like seven and like yeah. they are they know me they've studied what i do uh -huh. so they understand what i'm looking for in yeah. the movement of the pieces and they support it that way and you know when you've got a, a person I mean, and, and tony's on accordion now and he's a professional keyboard player and accordion yeah. player yeah this is if you don't like accordion you will not like my record i'm <laughs> just saying but i mean the way he uses that instrument and the way everybody adapted these instruments and the way we arranged it without, you know, drums was just phenomenal. And the, the concept came from Jeff Leonard. He goes, I want this, that, and this and that. And I was like, okay. I said, I can staff that right now. We That's staffed awesome. it in one phone call. That's it was awesome. crazy. I was like, okay, Jeff, we're going down your highway, man. <laughs> You're driving the van, bro. <laughs> so when, um, when it comes to songwriting in general, is there a song that somebody else has written that you consider to be kind of the pinnacle of songwriting it doesn't have to be one are there a few where you're just like oh man they did it in that one yeah there's i'm just trying to remember the um remember the one i'll think of it i'll think of it that has everything well i'm so lonesome i could cry but hank williams a senior is it, it, most of his songs are that good to me and i know it's a real known song and well, everybody likes it but it is phenomenal sometimes like things that are incredibly simple like yeah. so simple i i read one time the definition of ingenious is actually something that was previously so obvious that mm -hmm. that coming across it and going wow just stating the obvious in such a way and being able to simplify it in such a way is ingenious. You it know? is, and so and I wish I could think of mine right now, Eric. Dang, <laughs> I should have I should have gave you a a list ahead of time. It sucks when I do that. <laughs> I get so excited about the question that my mind goes blank, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like somebody's at my brain. Any uh, any albums? That are that are your kind of go to album. I know we talked earlier about just sitting and listening to a record. Uh, kind of uh, 
not kind of blue, even though I like kind of blue. Yeah. But Joni Mitchell's Blue is yeah. a pretty perfect record, and it's a really good record to listen to, not just for when you're young and you're a girl, but if you're a dude, too, because um, it talks about things in life um, that a lot of young people are, are coming to terms with, and even older people, too, but yeah. just the craftsmanship, the subject matter, the coming of age, some of the stories in it. Like, to me, I mean, I hate you some, I hate you some, oh, I love you some. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. I could drink a case of you and still be on my feet. And you think she's writing about a dude, and she is. But she's also writing about her home. Yeah. She's writing about Canada. And it's one of the most weird, weirdly put together songs. Like, it's not yeah. like a kind of song where, you know, oh, wow, they followed all the rules and it makes so much sense. And that's just using all the rules. But the song's weird, man. <laughs> and, you know, you think of. The power band Led Zeppelin, and then you listen to the yeah. Peel sessions. Yeah, you know Jonathan Peel sessions. I was like, oh crap, that taught me so much about arrangement and just changing subtle little influences. Yeah, you know, and being on a team with people that understand what you mean by that. Yeah, like Absolutely. oh, we we're just gonna play this like a rainbow instead of just playing it the way we normally play it, like that that kind of stuff. And I, I forget where we were going, but yeah, whole records, um. I got to say, man, growing up, that Cat Stevens record, Cat's in the Cradle in the Silver Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that on T for the Tiller Man? Or was that on his, was it just on his first one? I don't know which record it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect to me. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, What's that Fleet Foxes record that has Mykonos on it? Off the top of my head, I know I'm terrible. Yeah, we're we're not doing good at we're this. We're not are doing we? good at all. <laughs> I could pull up Uncle Google real quick, but I don't know. It depends. You want to tell us about Swamp Sessions a little bit? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I do this crazy thing, Eric, called Swamp Sessions, and yeah. I've always wanted to have you at it. And we went there just to do some recording one time, and we got foiled by the weather, yeah. and it was terrible, and people got stuck, and we. Ugh. It was really hard. It was a it was a bitch, and it was cold, and it was things. But it was, still was awesome. It was beautiful, great place to get stuck. But yeah. um, Swamp Sessions is a songwriter retreat, and I like it because it's for anybody that wants to try music, and for people yeah. that are professional songwriters and they feel like getting away and just hanging out with other people that are interested in the same thing that they are interested in. And we have we're in a national forest. We're on solar power. Yeah. And uh, the property's owned by Allendale Green's proprietor, Eddie White. Yeah. And uh, it's our baby. And we like recording on solar power. It's one of the few places where you can really feel not electricity and look at screens. And it makes a difference of how our bodies react. It's sure. really weird. Sure. And I have out there a quarter mile songwriting workshop walk through the woods with eight stations so there's like a chair and a tv table at every station yeah and you have a map and you go to the station and it tells you what to write it says what if you wrote about yoda like and <laughs> just things like that not that it's that there is one station that looks like yoda's home planet so we do reference some star wars and okay some people have been annoyed others are like it's okay d you did what you could no you're barking up my tree with star wars yeah man yeah, yeah, yeah. man and so it's it really is fun and I, I'll, I'm happy to, you know, share what I've learned. We have, you know, 
songwriters can record there. Yeah. They can work with my friend Cody Dixon, who's very good at making beats and a very good piano player and lyricist. And so they can have the experience of learning how to make beats on their own phone, even though phones aren't used there that much. Right. Or they can work, well, Cody will show you. Yeah. Or you can just work with Cody and he'll just make you beat, you jam on your song. Yeah. Um, you can take the song under trail. We got kayaks out there. It's on a tidal creek. Um, I'll break down your songs with you if you're like, I need a bridge, or I can't think of this one word. Yeah. And what I like to tell people that come out there is, um, I'm not your teacher, and you're not my student. We're just songwriter workers, yeah. and we love them. And you already have your song, and if I can do anything where you can have your song in a different way, and you like it, that's good for you. And if not, don't be mad. Don't be <laughs> mad at all. Just enjoy the food and write yeah. some more. Well, I've had awesome. to, I, Hans Wenzel came out there and wrote, a really great song. He didn't awesome. know he was even going to write it. Like people will come out there and they'll just start writing stuff that they didn't know they were going to write because they just get, they just love the trees. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I always, you know, right now when I I'm I work a day job and then do the th I've, mm -hmm. I haven't man, been able to make it work yet, and I intend to some way as long as me not coming doesn't make you pull your invitation. Oh, it will never. <laughs> it will never. And there's some people that I haven't been able to invite yet because some of it is a little bit curated. You know, yeah. I've put together people that wouldn't naturally work together in, in the music business and yeah. they've come together and just been like, whoa, like Thomas Champagne and Edwin McCain singing on a Thomas Champagne song. Wow. I mean, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Like Tyler Boone and Mark Bryan jamming. And Tyler Boone being so scared. <laughs> Tyler, do you remember that? When you were actually scared? Because you're not now. <laughs> we're proud of you, bro. Well, Danielle, do you care to, as you would put it, leave us with a song? Oh, I'd love to. What do you got? I've got the song. It's uh, in my friend group. And there's, you know, I got a tiny little friend group that supports me and they're real sweet. They like to call it the Lake Murray Dam song. It's really called While I Miss You. It was first recorded at the Swamp House yeah. as a demo, and it never made it onto a record. And then it made it onto a record that never came out. Okay, yeah. So now it's actually producer Jeff Leonard has chosen a version of it. He, he cut two versions with us, yeah, and he chose a version of it. And I was like, okay, this is great. And so now it's actually going to be on a record with, I think, some of its great friends. So here's a second song from the new album, and I think... Um, I don't know what I'm going to call the new album yet, but okay, maybe I'll help. You can help me find a title later. <laughs> All right, thanks. Anyway, here, here let's you hear. Go. There was a cloud shaped like a sea in the sky. The return red light flanked to my right, and the full moon lit up the lake that night. While I missed you I sang five of them shows In three days Best as I could Yeah, the money God made And the good times came I'm just grateful to play While I miss you if I could drive over the Lake Murray Dam Forever would deliver to the place where you're at If I could make future journeys 
like a wave that keeps beating on that I'd do anything you ask just to rock you Circumstances beyond all control Turn that cloud into a thousand white holes Still the moon lit up the lake as we rolled While I miss you If the course is marked and navigation is true all that's wrong on the journey's just clue And the destination Is something I do while I miss you If I could drive over the Lake Marie Dam The river would deliver to the place where you're at If I could make Like a wave that keeps beating on that I'd do anything you ask just to rock you Oh, I'd do anything you ask just to rock you Sunday Working on an awful full moon Giving off shadows Making things new But nothing abstracts The beautiful truth Why I miss you Hey kitty, thank you for that You're a good boy, <laughs> Quiet Riot I like that that's in there. I do too. It's so sweet. That was awesome, Danielle. I appreciate you so much doing this, man. Oh, thank you so much for, for being on this. And I'm really looking forward to the showcase yes. February 13th. Oddly enough, Super Bowl Sunday. But, you know, it, it'd be a good pregame for people to come out to Free House. Yes. Here's some fantastic original music from Daniel Howell, from Fleming Moore, Robert Lighthouse. And... Thank you so much again for being generous with your time. And when I first moved to this town, you were one of the people that inspired me as a musician that helped give me confidence that, you know, helped me along. And, and I'm glad that you can be part of this. Thank you. Thanks for um, noticing my superpower. I always seem to <laughs> be able to, to gravitate to the uh, talented people in, in my world and your world. Well, I appreciate that. Anything you care to leave us with today? Yes. Um, I just want people to know that music has really helped me in life to feel like I'm a part of something greater than myself. And a lot of times, I, I've known like if I pick up a, a banjo, which I never play, or a mandolin or something like that, and it's just fun and it's frustrating at times, you know, to try to be friends with an instrument. So I just, I'm encouraging everybody to explore your love of music and writing poems because poems are songs too. And just 
don't have any expectations. Just do it and keep doing it. And then if you don't, and you might get mad every now and then, but it'll take you about four months and you'll be like, wow, I'm playing my own songs or a song that you love by somebody else. And I look forward to hearing from everybody. Thank you, Daniel. Wasn't that fun, folks? Danielle's a real kick to be around, I'm sure you could tell. Those of you listening astutely, we had a little visit from her pet cat there at the end. Looking forward to the next Songwriter Showcase at Freehouse Brewing. It's February 13th, Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Fleming Moore, Danielle Howe, and Robert Lighthouse are on the bill. It's Super Bowl Sunday, so come out, pregame, get some beers to go. We also have some pictures and videos from the last Songwriter Showcase up on Instagram and the YouTube channel. You can go to Songs of the Unsung on any of those or songsoftheunsung.com. Anytime you like or share, subscribe, all those good things, it helps us spread the word. Also, we have free stickers available now, so come out to a show and get a sticker. And we have hats for sale as well. Until next time, thank you folks so much. Freehouse is an organic brewery, tap room, and outdoor beer garden situated on the banks of the historic and natural Ashley River. We brew beer as we wish it to be, organic, local, and seasonal. With over 24 taps, including gluten-free options and house-made organic lemonade, we have something for all palates. Freehouse is open to everyone and welcomes all guests with a smile and a cold beer. Inquire about hosting your event or special occasion with us at info at freehousebeer.com.